section two of a cruise in an opium clipper by lindsay anderson this librivox recording is in the public domain section two chapters five through eight chapter five i make acquaintance with my new shipmates arriving on board the emont i introduced myself to the first and second officer as their new junior captain gulliver having been on board during the day had acquainted them with my appointment and also told them of the errand in search of men he had sent me on after shaking hands with my new shipmates who received me very cordially i was eagerly questioned by both whether i had been successful in finding any men i told them the result of my expedition to english and french town and its non-success which made them pull rather a long face when I told them of Bob Allen's promise of eighteen men in the morning, they were highly pleased. It seemed they had been previously manned with Malays as seamen, carrying also a staff of Europeans as quartermaster, boatswains, and gunners. The Malays could not stand the intense cold of winter, therefore they had come to the conclusion to dispense with them. In the service on which she was now employed, they could rub along with the eighteen until they got down to Hong Kong, when they would be able to complete the complement required. After I had given all my information and disposed of my traps in my cabin, I went on deck and had a look round at my new floating home. I found her the perfect model of a fast cruiser, everything in perfect order and clean as a new pin she was armed with four eighteen-pounders of a side a long eighteen on the forecastle and a sixty-eight-pounder amidships these two last being pivot guns she measured somewhat about two hundred tons and was strong and faithfully built at a great cost for her size her main boom was one hundred and ten feet long so that her mainsail was a swinger and needed some handling the second officer mr nealance who had accompanied me round and explained all that seemed new to me and also told me that underneath the nicely floored hold i saw on looking down the hatchway there were nearly two hundred tons of iron kentledge as stationary ballast their cargo he said rarely occupied much space sometimes it was boxes of dollars and sometimes from a hundred to two hundred chests of opium the accommodation for captain officers and crew was excellent although looking at her from the outside you would wonder how they had contrived to make so much room my brother officers seemed all that was desirable the first mr jewell was a medium-sized thick-set scotchman every inch a sailor the second officer mr nealance was a typical englishman tall and finely proportioned a thorough seaman and full of dry humour while mr jewell was rather given to be serious and sedate although at all times courteous and agreeable they were each enamoured of their vessel the captain and the service in which they were engaged i was soon made to feel one of them and when i woke up and turned to my duty in the morning i almost felt as if i had been on board for some time washing down and gun cleaning was got over by eight bells when all hands excepting two armed sentries and an officer went to breakfast at nine a m captain gulliver arrived alongside and was received at the gangway by the chief officer after several minutes conversation with the chief officer 
he turned and saluting mr nealance wished him a pleasant good morning he then advanced towards me and answering my salutation said in a pleasant manner welcome on board the eamont mr anderson i hope we shall have many a pleasant trip together thank you sir i replied i will endeavour to prove worthy of your appointment did you succeed in getting any men yesterday he asked yes sir i got the promise of eighteen or more from allen's boarding-house over the water and there he is with two full sampans come alongside on the port side good we shall soon see if they are the right sort for us i dare say coming from allen's over the water they will do they are generally a daredevil lot bob allen had now arrived alongside and telling the chief officer who he was was admitted on board his crowd following at his heels bob wished the captain good morning in his politest manner and from the looks which passed between them one could see it was not the first time they had dealt with each other the captain beckoning the chief officer turned with him and bob and walked forward to have a look at the men after scanning them closely the captain asked them if they were all willing to join he also told them that sometimes they were engaged in what might appear to some people a dangerous service all replied in the affirmative the chief officer then brought a form of agreement on deck which was read over to them each man signed his name or his mark and the shipping business was concluded bob allen received an order on the agent for a goodly sum of mexicans and departed well satisfied with his morning's work the new recruits proceeded to the forecastle where they disposed of their belongings and after dinner all were in a manner conversant with the general routine of the ship it is not my present purpose to write of the work we performed for several months in the opening up of japan to european trade and intercourse but to relate what i may term a cruise in an opium clipper and the opening up of formosa to japan we carried no opium when sent to formosa we went with opium as an opium trader and to open a trade for opium with the natives of that island i will therefore pass over a period of six months and transport myself and reader to the beautiful harbour of hong kong chapter six a secret expedition we arrived at hong kong about the middle of july and received orders to refit the sails were unbent and sent on shore as were also the spare sails and all were placed in the hands of the sailmaker no patches were allowed in any of the sails the whole cloth had to come out or if the least sign of extra wear were on any of them they were condemned and new sails were put in their place every care was taken that the sails in these vessels should be of the very best and always in first-class order the Eamont was likewise stripped to a gantline, all the standing rigging coming on deck, and the crew were set to work to refit the whole. It was the same with the rigging as with the sails, the very least sign of an extra chaff, and new rigging was forthwith put in its place. No liberty was allowed to the crew until the ship was once more all a tonto with every mark of the refitting obliterated from decks and bulwarks and the vessel painted from stem to stern in about ten days this work was completed and she lay in the water once more like a thing of life and beauty 
each watch was then given what money they required and forty-eight hours leave to go and have a carouse and come back cured of the shore longing for another spell after the men had returned from their leave some dozen or more extra hands were taken on no doubt induced by the men on leave to join a craft where the pay was high and the excitement intense the Emont being now again ready for sea about one hundred and twenty chests of opium arrived alongside and were taken on board with the opium the captain who had been staying on shore during the refitting also made his appearance after complimenting us officers on the satisfactory condition in which he found the Emont, he called us down into his saloon to inform us as to where we were bound we are going on an entirely new expedition this time said captain gulliver to a place named taku somewhere in the southwest end of the island of formosa to see if we can create a market there the owners tell me they have a strong suspicion that some of the other opium merchants have already forestalled us we are to proceed first to amoy and gain what information we can as to the whereabouts of this taku no chart of the place has ever been published so we shall have our work set to find a port that is somewhere within a length of one hundred miles of coastline if it is there we will find it i am also instructed by the owners not to proceed to sea till the weather is more settled the barometer has been very unsteady the last day or two and all on shore are in daily expectation of a typhoon turning to the chief officer he asked if he had got all the extra ammunition on board and secured in the magazine mr jule replied in the affirmative and that there was a goodly stock of all kinds we may need it all remarked the captain for from what i hear the formosians are a wild and hardy people quite uncivilized and may rather like to have the opium for the taking instead of the buying four chinese shroffs will accompany us who slightly understand the lingo of the formosians as well as to look after the mexicans for the natives may have found bad money as profitable as the chinese find it i will now wish you all good night you will keep strict watch and let no one know but what we are only bound on one of our usual coast trips to supply our own receiving ships i will call on board once a day until we receive our sailing orders the captain then got into his shore gig and was pulled to the landing-place none of our boats being allowed to leave the ship for the benefit of those of my readers who do not know how this trade was carried on i may here relate that each of the large opium merchants whose headquarters was hong kong had at the four treaty ports that were then open a large receiving vessel heavily armed and with a full crew on board mostly manila men the clippers like the emont went up and down the coast supplying these receiving ships with opium and bringing back the silver given in exchange sometimes in bars sometimes mexican dollars often antique ware such as vases of silver and gold in fact so long as it was of the precious metals it went into the scale against the opium and was received as being as good as cash it was from these receiving ships the opium was sold to the inhabitants who had the wherewithal to traffic for this so-called noxious drug 
the danger to the schooners and the necessity of being well armed arose from the chinese pirates of these days in their fast lorchas who liked opium as much as did their brethren of the land if not to use it at any rate to convert it into silver these lorchas were often on the lookout to endeavour to capture so rich a prize as an opium clipper upward bound or downward bound she was a rich prize to them whether with opium or silver chapter seven a typhoon the weather continued in the same unsettled state for eight days sultry with drizzling rain varied with heavy thunder-squalls and altogether very uncomfortable and aggravating to us who wished to be away and doing at length on the eighth day of our enforced idleness the captain arrived on board with orders to proceed the weather had cleared but there was a lack of anything like a breeze to blow away the sultriness of the almost dead calm that prevailed we unmoored hove short to one anchor set all sail then weighed the anchor and proceeded for the lai moon passage round the north end of the island we crawled slowly along towards the pass with the little breath of air there was when we got fairly into the passage it fell a dead calm and we scarcely moved captain gulliver immediately ordered the sweeps to be manned all these vessels were supplied with long heavy oars about forty feet long in calm weather when threatened by pirates or in the near vicinity of land these sweeps were run out of the gun ports and manned with six men each would make the ship go along some three or four knots an hour with perfect ease the sweeps were soon run out and manned and away we glided through the passage and out into the open sea after pulling to a good offing of about ten miles the sweeps were taken in and stowed away and the guns which had been run in out of the way were again run out and secured we did not lay long becalmed for as the heat of the sun subsided a light and gentle breeze sprang up from the landward side all sail was trimmed to catch the breeze and as it increased as the sun sank in his western bed we were soon rattling along ten knots an hour the wind almost a beam and everything pulling to perfection when the log was hove at eight p m we were making twelve knots the wind being off the land the sea was comparatively smooth so that we had every advantage of trim wind and sea as well as canvas that held every capful of wind that came along the night was beautiful all that could be desired not a cloud in the sky nothing but the clear blue above studded with its innumerable stars and shining worlds my watch began at eight bells so i went on deck and relieved mr jule who remarked on the pleasantness of the night and that we should fetch amoy in a day and a half if the breeze held out i took over charge of the deck from the chief officer who gave me the course and also told me to call the captain if any change in the weather should occur and to give an occasional look at the barometer nothing particular arrested my attention until nearly six bells when the wind all at once changed from a steady breeze and became gusty dark-looking clouds were forming ahead and although i was wishful like many a young officer to carry on till the end of the watch i felt that i must take a look at the barometer 
i jumped down into the fore cabin where the barometer hung and what was my astonishment to find it had fallen more than one inch since i had noted it at four bells i immediately went and called captain gulliver and informed him of the state of the weather and the fall in the glass the captain followed me on deck in his night-clothes and after taking a good look round and noting the change in the steadiness of the wind said to me mr anderson keep her away three points more off the land call all hands on deck send a quartermaster to call the first and second officers and tell them to look sharp take the watch forward anderson and take the topgallant sail in then send the yard on deck ay ay sir i replied and we were soon busy with the flapping sail the other officers with all hands were soon on deck and i could hear captain gulliver's stentorian voice issuing orders in a firm and rapid manner mr nealance i heard him shout for the wind was now rapidly increasing with noisy gusts clue the gaff topsail boatswain's mate lay aloft with eight hands and secure it mr jewel lay forward and take that square sail in nealance have you got that gaff topsail clued up yes sir replied nealance lower away the mainsail then with the rest of your hands and get it made fast i heard captain gulliver shout above the din of the fast-coming storm which we had run into jewel and anderson he now called out haul all the jibs down leaving the stay foresail up the jibs down the next order was clue the topsail up we managed to clue it up but before the men reached the yard it was flying away in pieces a yard or two in size as if bound for some upper rag store the boatswain's mate and his eight hands were unable to secure the gaff-topsail, which may be flying somewhere yet, for he said, when he came down with his men who bore signs of a severe scuffle, that it filled like a balloon and went clean out of their hands. It was no foolish sail, and it had a twenty-eight feet yard on its head, whose flapping about left several marks on those who vainly endeavoured to secure it we were more fortunate with a gallant sail the sail was not very large and when once secured to the yard was soon on deck the men being drilled in sending this yard up and down it all came easy to them in two hours we were down to the stay foresail and half the foretrysail the lower half having taken leave as it flapped in the lowering we were in a typhoon now and no mistake you could not hear any one speak close to you unless he yelled at the top of his voice the scene was the wildest imaginable the emont was flying along in the darkness under two rags of sails and when the squalls were on her she lay down with her hatches in the water after we had done all we could in the shape of making fast and securing whatever was necessary we officers found our way aft to where the captain stood conning the ship still in his night-dress no one having had leisure to dress as we closed up to the captain he said well gentlemen we are in for it now this is going to be a swinger jump down mr jewel and let me know what the barometer says mr jewel soon returned and reported twenty seven point eighty by george says the captain that is very near as low as the swato one of last year which we rode out when all those ships went on shore mr nealance had told me of that typhoon of last year 
they wrote it out in the Emont, riding on one chain with one hundred and fifty fathoms out with a second anchor backed on it at sixty fathoms they had to cut her masts away but they hung the wreckage astern of them and four days afterwards they had the masts in again much shorter of course but were enabled to fetch amoy in three days under double reefed sails where they docked and refitted chapter eight a typhoon continued the last chapter closed amidst a scene of wild tempestuous grandeur utterly indescribable no pen can portray the awful scenes in which we were madly scudding no one knew whither as the captain said after he remarked about the lowness of the barometer then and the one they wrote out at swato the previous year there was nothing for it but scud 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 she seemed to make the best weather scudding for when she broached to she lay with her cross-beams almost in the water making it impossible to stand anywhere on the deck the sea did not rise much for it was actually one mass of seething foam the wind howled through the cordage with a noise like thunder the wind and rain came along in solid spiral columns tearing everything before them two boats in the weather davits were blown up against the shoulders of the davits and smashed themselves to pieces the lee boats had gone tearing away the davits from the side of the strongly made emont at four a m mr jewell was again sent by the captain to note the barometer he was not long in bringing his report no one seemed to care to be off the deck except our staff of chinese shroffs stewards and cooks who lay on the floor of the cabin in a miserable plight indeed mr jewell reported the barometer at twenty seven point fifty i had never seen it so low in my career captain gulliver took it calmly however and if he ever thought of the vicinity of the land and the circular course we were making he had the good sense to keep it to himself and not damp the spirits of those around him with miserable forebodings of any other danger catching me by the sleeve he yelled into my ear when i got close enough to him anderson do you think you can act steward for the nonce and go and find some cheese and bread and pass them forward to the crew and serve out a stiff glass of grog all around if you can't manage the grog send them some bottled ale aye aye sir i replied and made for the companion with a couple of quartermasters we managed to get down to the storeroom and after no little trouble succeeded in getting the wherewithal to make up a snack and wash it down the crew appreciated the meal i have no doubt having had four hours hard and trying work in a howling tempest whose raindrops hit you like hailstones the crew having been attended to we officers went down also one by one and had some slight refreshment which helped to revive us and fit us for what was to come daylight had not yet dawned upon us and the darkness added a wild intensity to the hurricane nothing could be seen ahead or astern ten yards from the ship only the white and seething foam in which we were enveloped as in a shroud the noise of the wind crashed heavier than the roar of a battery of heavy artillery when the squalls were upon her i myself stood at the wheel with the quartermaster for an hour in that time we had scudded three times round the compass at length day began to break 
but one could almost have wished for the darkness again for in the darkness we could only surmise a good deal of the awful majesty of the storm we were in with daylight we saw more of the power of the devastating force of this wild cyclonal gale ropes had broken by force of the wind and were streaming to leeward from both masts as from a deserted vessel to climb aloft was impossible the wind blew you so hard on to the rigging that you could not back your feet out of the ratlines to step upwards so the streaming pennants had to be left as they were our four lee guns had got loose with the eternal swash of the seething water in which they had been immersed the breechings had chaffed through and they had gone to fit a frigate for davy jones at ten a m the barometer had gone down to twenty seven point thirty captain gulliver then ordered the carpenter and his mate to be stationed one at each mast with their sharpest axe a hand at each weather shroud and backstay with sharp knife and boat axe should the squalls which were now coming in more rapid succession overpower her it was his intention to cut the masts away being the only chance of saving the hull this he explained to us officers as we proceeded to station the men one fiercer squall came on just as we had stationed our men and our square foresail which hung up and down from the sling of the foreyard and was handed by four pairs of brails besides being secured with extra lashings blew out of its lashings the wind being aft it filled like a balloon and was like to tear the foremast out of her and thus save us the trouble of cutting it away I could hear a shout from the captain, as also see the dumb signs of cutting while he pointed to the foresail. Along with two seamen, and with the added excitement of this new and great danger, I succeeded in reaching the lashing which held it to the foreyard. We managed to cut it away, and away it flew into the wind and rain, and may be flying yet, for we never saw it reach the seething foam around us. Eased of this heavy drag the Eamont seemed to take a breath in her mad career it was only for a moment though for when we reached the deck the captain through his speaking trumpet was giving the order to stand by the masts and rigging for now the time was coming the squalls which at six a m had come about every quarter of an hour and at eight a m about every ten minutes as also at ten a m about every five minutes were now upon us in fierce and rapid succession seemingly one long dismal howl about eleven it seemed to culminate in one wild burst as if all the windows of the heavens were opened over went the eamont with her cross-trees in the water flat on her broadside the captain through his trumpet shouted cut but ere a stroke had been given with his next breath came hold on all in a moment like the lightning flash the scene was changed the eamont was again upright on even keel the wind had gone the rain had ceased and we could see a distance of two or three miles ahead and astern a curious turmoil of a sea was left us and we lay becalmed bereft of motion like a dead log knocked about by this jumble of a sea whithersoever it listed end of section two